I'm going to preach a short message this morning. I know some of you may laugh about that, but you know, anytime a preacher says I'm going to preach a short message, usually you better just relax and sit back. But honestly, I, I think I'll probably preach a short message this morning. I just want to talk to you for a few moments about a Memorial Day moment. Okay? Memorial Day. What is Memorial Day? It, it means a day of remembrance. Amen? A day of remembrance. How many of you have trouble with remembering things? You know, a lot of times I feel like, like one of the three uh, widow women I heard about, they were sisters, and they lived together after their husbands died, lived together for quite a few years. Well, one uh, evening, one of the sisters got up and said, I think I'll go on to bed. Started upstairs, got halfway upstairs, and she stopped, and she turned around to her sister sitting downstairs to one of them and said, was I going up or coming down? Sister said, well, you're just going to bed. She said, oh, Okay. And the sister told you she's going to bed, just shook her head. Well, one of the other two sisters still in the living room, one of those went in the kitchen. She said, I'm hungry, I think I'll fix me a sandwich. She went into the kitchen in just a moment. She hollered back at her sister, the same one who had answered the other sister, who was sitting in the living room, said, what am I doing in the kitchen? Her sister says, well, good night, you was fixing a sandwich. She said, I hope that my memory never gets as bad as you too. She said, knock on wood, it's still pretty good. Just a few moments, she got up and went to the door and said, who's there? <laughs> now folks, I, I can tell you, I, my memory sometimes is not real good either. I mean, I, I forget, I, I don't remember that I don't remember. That's how bad it is at times. But I want to say something about Memorial Day. And it's sad, but, but many folks in America, they won't remember to remember tomorrow either. You see, Memorial Day for many folks has become a day of, of uh, barbecues or cookouts, uh, you know, family gatherings, uh, three-day weekends. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with all those things if we remember first what the day was set aside for, what the day is all about. So, because of tomorrow being Memorial Day, I want to share with you a little bit of history in case you didn't know this. Memorial Day was officially proclaimed on May 5th, 1868 by General John Logan. He was the national commander of the Grand Army of the Republic and it was first observed on May 30th, 1868 when flowers were placed on the graves of Union and Confederate soldiers at Arlington National Cemetery. And you may not know this, but the first state to officially recognize the holiday was New York in 1873. By 1890, it was recognized by all the northern states, but the southern states, which we could be a little different, they refused to acknowledge the day, honoring their dead on separate days until after World War I. After World War I, the holiday changed from honoring just those who had died in the Civil War to honoring all Americans who had died fighting any war. And so now it's celebrated in almost every state on the last Monday in May. It was passed by Congress with the National Holiday Act in 1971. Now in, 18, in 1918, there was a poem. It was inspired by the poem in Flanders Fields. Some of y'all may remember reading that poem in school. It was written during World War I. There was another poem inspired by this poem, written by a woman by the name of uh, Moina Michaels. Now, Miss Michaels, she was an educator. She was also uh, a humanitarian. And she wrote this, We cherish, too, the poppy red, 
that grows on fields where valor led. It seems to signal to the skies that blood of heroes never dies. Folks, I want to tell you, I believe Memorial Day not only recognizes a national sacrifice, but for us that are believers in Jesus Christ, I believe it can recognize a spiritual sacrifice as well. In other words, folks, we not only commemorate the blood that was shed to ensure our national freedom and thank God for those heroes who gave their all so we enjoy the freedom that we do have. We not only commemorate that, but I believe as Christians, we should also commemorate the blood that was shed by the Lord Jesus Christ to ensure our spiritual freedom as well. Now, most uh, Memorial Day observances in our nation, they're going to look to graves that are filled with the bodies of those soldiers who died in service to their country. But let me tell you something. As believers, our Memorial Day can look beyond that. We can look to a vacant cross, to an empty tomb, and to the greatest sacrifice that was ever given. Now, in three of the four Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Mark and John, we find a, a special Memorial Day moment. Now, it involves a lady by the name of Mary. She's not really, her name's not given in Mark, but it is given in other places. It involves a woman by the name Mary who came to pay a special tribute and sacrifice to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the sacrifice that he was going to make. I want you to look, Matthew chapter 14. Let's start reading in verse 3. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman, having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves, and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence, and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Verse 7 of Mark 14. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Father, today as we study this passage, I pray it would become very clear to our hearts and to our understanding. It would become clear that we, Father, are to worship. We are to praise You. We are to exalt Jesus Christ with our lives, with all we have, with all we are. I pray we will see today from this story how true worship takes place. And Father, we would be sincere in our worship, our work, and our life for you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, folks, I have always been drawn to the account here in the book of Mark for several reasons. First, when you read this passage here, uh, the first thing I'm reminded of is an act that is eternally recorded. Now, I believe the reason why this act of worship that Mary did is eternally recorded is because, folks, number one, what it prophetically reveals. Again, if you don't know this, just two days... Before, uh, it's just two days when this is going on. Two days before Jesus is going to lay his life down on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He even refers to that. Look again at verse 8. She's come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Now understand, in this touching account, what we have here is the third 
preparation of Jesus' crucifixion portrayed. Now, folks, it serves as a foreshadowing uh, of the eternal purpose of why Christ came to this world to begin with. That's to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Now, to truly grasp what has taken place, I want to give you a little bit of cultural history of the Middle East. It was the custom, folks, of the Eastern world, first to bathe, then to anoint a body that was dead getting ready for the burial process. After the body had been anointed, the flask in which the perfume was used, or was held, after the perfume was used, it would be broken, and the fragments laid with the dead person in the tomb. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not saying that Mary was aware of what her act symbolized, but nonetheless, it carried a great prophetical representation. But secondly, we also see the act was recorded, not just because of what it prophetically represents, but I believe because of what it personally reveals. You see, it personally revealed the heart of Mary. It personally revealed her surrender and submission, her worship and her willingness to worship. It personally revealed her loyalty and her love. Folks, this act of worship reveals the heart of a woman that's filled, that's moved, that's driven with nothing but love for her master. And I don't think there's any doubt when you read these verses, there's no doubt about Mary's feelings for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the second thing that we see, not only was it an act that's eternally recorded, but it was an act that was gladly received. Now this beautiful, this wonderful, folks, act of worship It was gladly received by Jesus, but it was not gladly received by everybody that was present that day. Because many of the disciples, apparently, they had no comprehension of what prompted Mary to do what she was doing. And they were insensitive, they were indignant as they watched what took place. Because look at verse 4. It says, And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? Well, I'm going to tell you something. No doubt in my mind, shouldn't be in your mind either, that the one who probably instigated this, uh, instigated this, these feelings and this doubt toward Mary was, was Judas. You say, why would you say that? Because in John's account of this story, he makes it real clear that Judas was the guy that held the money bags and that Judas would help himself to the money anytime he wanted to. And so Judas, no doubt, is the one that instigated this against Mary. But the problem was, for some of the disciples there that day, their mind was so spiritually twisted. Look what they said in verse 5. They said, "For it might, why was it wasted, verse 4? Because it could have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. They had no comprehension. They had no appreciation of Mary's behavior. And I'm going to tell you something else. They had no care about the poor either. You say, why do you say that? Look what Jesus does. He rebukes them in verse 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. So the disciples, they criticized her act of worship. They ridiculed her. They maligned her. In other words, folks, her act was rejected by the disciples, but it was gladly received by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe Jesus received her worship for two reasons. Number one, because of her absolute sincerity. I mean, when you study this passage, one thing is for certain. There was no pretense, no hypocrisy, uh, no false motive on the part of Mary. She was absolutely sincere in her actions toward the Lord Jesus. And Jesus refers to her act, look at verse 6. 
He said it's a good work. Now in the Greek language, there are two words that are translated for good. The first word translated for good is the word agathos. And that word describes something that is morally good. Now there's another word that's, described, that's used for good uh, in the Greek language. It's the word kalos. And that describes something that's not only morally good, but something that's lovely, something that is pure and sincere. That's the word used here, folks. For li Listen, something might be agathos, morally good, but yet be hard, stern, uh, unattractive. But something that is kalos, the word that's used here, is that which is lovely, uh, folks, lovely of heart, something that is pure of heart, something that has sincere motives. So what I want you to understand is the first thing Jesus noticed about Mary's act was her pure, unadulterated, absolute sincerity to Him. Now, she wasn't doing this to draw attention to herself. She wasn't doing this to be some spiritual showboat. She had counted the cost. She had confronted the criticism and determined, folks, that she wanted to not only do a good work, but a lovely, pure, sincere work for the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, I don't care what other people say. I don't care what it costs. I want to do this for Him. Folks, I believe her absolute sincerity is revealed in the sacrifice that she made. Now, when you really understand this, it's an amazing sacrifice. Uh, first, because of the amount of it. Look at verse 3. We learn that she came in with an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. Very precious. Now, understand the custom of the day. It was a custom of the Jews to pour or drop a few drops of perfume on a guest when they arrived at the house or when they sat down, a guest sat down to a meal. The ointment that's spoken of here, spikenard, it was a very precious ointment. It was made from a, a rare plant that grows high in the Himalayan mountains uh, in China and uh, Nepal and, and India, certain regions like that. So it was hard to come by. But not only was it hard to come by, but because it was hard to come by, it was very expensive. Verse 5, it says it was worth more than 300 pence. Now a pence was commonly known as a dinar or a dinari, uh, which was a Roman coin. And back in this day, one denarii equaled the, work, the wages of one working guy per day. One denarii a day. So, uh, folks, it would have cost the ordinary working man more than a year's pay or close to a year's pay to buy the box of ointment that Mary had. But, folks, listen to me. We get the idea with Mary. And, Christian, I want you to take this to heart. When it came to Mary and her worship, money was no matter when it came to Jesus Christ. She said, whatever the sacrifice needs to be. She gave freely, joyfully. She poured out a year's worth of wages on the Lord Jesus. That's why some of the disciples were so indignant about it. That is a year's worth of wages that you're wasting. In Mary's heart and in her mind, she said, I'm not wasting anything. I'm giving this to my Lord and to my Savior. Folks, the next thing I want you to see, it was an amazing act, not only because of the amount, but because of the attitude involved. Now, Matthew, he records that Mary took the ornament and poured it upon Jesus' head. John says that she anointed his feet. Mark specifically says in verse 3 that she broke the box and poured it on his head. Now, people say, preacher, why is there a contradiction in these stories? Let me explain to you. Again, the custom of the day was to pour a few drops on the head. 
But Mary, what did she do? She broke open the entire flask and anointed him with the entire contents. Enough to cover his body from head to foot. Are you following me on this? There's not a contradiction. John says, you know the custom. The custom is to anoint the head. I'm telling you, she went way beyond that and anointed his feet. So what I want you to get is this. And, and, and the fact that she broke the flask, it's a sign that nothing was to be spared. It was all to be used. Again, no amount was too great for this, this grateful woman who loved Jesus. Now William Barclay, he comments on this. He says it was the custom of the East that if a glass was used by a distinguished guest, after he had used it, it was to be broken so it would never again be touched by the hand of a lesser person. In other words, folks, listen to me. Mary, she spared nothing. She sacrificed everything when, she, when it came to Jesus. She came to Jesus. She was saying there's no one greater, no one higher, no one more dignified than Jesus Christ. She said, I'm going to give him all that I have. I believe it ought to remind us of how we should be so moved when we approach the Lord Jesus Christ that we lose sight of dollar signs, monetary value, material worth when it comes to the one who gave his life for us to save our souls from hell, folks. We ought to be willing to give him all that we are and all that we have. Finally, her act's amazing because of the repercussions from it. Now, John adds a detail that's not added here in Mark. John says that once the ointment, once the flask, the, the box was broken and the ointment poured out, the house was filled with the odor of that fine perfume, that precious commodity. In other words, church, I want you to listen to me. Everybody, everyone was affected by Mary's sacrifice. It was an individual response that carried a corporate result. I can't help but believe that Mary's act teaches us that when we give our all to the Lord Jesus, Christian, not only becomes a blessing to us, but it becomes a blessing to all those around us. Do you agree? I mean, when we submit and surrender our lives to Christ, the effects are felt by those in our home, by those we work with, those we go to school with, by everybody we have contact with. Like Mary, our sacrifice, folks, poured from a heart of sincere worship it will always be gladly received by the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see the third thing. It was an act that was eternally recorded, that was gladly received by Christ, but it was also an act of worship that was gloriously remembered. Now, I don't know if this was Jesus' first Memorial Day service or not, but we do know it was a special Memorial Day moment in the life of Mary. In fact, Jesus refers to her act, look at verse 9, as a memorial. And I believe it's glorious, re, gloriously remembered because, number one, she thanked Jesus with her appreciation. Now, folks, we're not certain, and I've heard other preachers preach this and give reasons why, uh, why it happened, what prompted Mary in this act of worship, but I'm going to tell you, it's not recorded. We don't know. We can imagine, we can assume why. However, I do know this. We can't help but believe there was an element of appreciation that filled and flooded her heart for Christ. Do you agree with that? Now, we may not know why. What prompted her in this act of worship? Maybe she was grateful because uh, Jesus had helped her one day. Maybe she was grateful because He healed her. Or one day, maybe she's grateful because Jesus took time out just to sit and listen to her one day. Or, friend, maybe she's grateful because Jesus 
raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. We don't know what prompted it. But we do know that as she approaches Jesus, given the best that she had out of a heart of love for who he is and of appreciation for what he had done for her. Now from that, let me say this. If we would just stop and think, Christian, if we would do like the old song says, count your many blessings, count your many blessings. If we would do that, I don't think it'd take any of us very long to find gratitude in our heart for everything God has done for us. I mean, let's face the truth. The truth of the matter is, God has been far better and far greater to us than we've been to Him. Amen? He helps us when we're down, heals us when we're sick, hears us when we pray, meets our needs, lifts our burden, solves our problems, saves our soul, and praise God, He's been good to us. There ought to be some gratitude in your life. Father, I want you to see that she touched Jesus with her adoration. Again, think about the disciples. They underestimated, they, they underappreciated the act of worship from Mary. They looked at their sacrifice from a material standpoint. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus saw it from a spiritual standpoint. And you know what? Jesus being God and knowing the heart of every man and woman, He was touched by her adoration. You see, folks, the reason, the reason she brought and poured out something equal to a year's worth of wages and the reason she broke that flask was not to draw attention to herself, but rather it was an act of worship and adoration. She loved her Lord and could not contain that love. Now, is that not beautiful? Do you love Jesus like that? She said, I love Him. I can't hold it in. I cannot contain it. As she poured out, and this is what I want you to grasp, as she broke that flask, that box, and she poured out that perfume, she also broke her heart and poured out her soul in worship to Christ. She was so absolutely controlled by a heart of adoration for Jesus, she lost all sense of restraint and all sense of economy. Jesus was touched by it. Maybe you say, well, preacher, uh, how much was he touched? Look at verse 9. He says, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now, folks, listen. Jesus knew his death was upon him. Jesus knew the cross was right in the near future, but he also knew that his death was not going to end it. He knew that even after his death, he knew uh, what was going to take place. And he knew the good news of the gospel would go around the world. And with that good news, there would also go the story of this beautiful, sincere act of worship. Somebody talking about Mary's act of worship, they described it like this. Something done with love's reckless extravagance. In other words, Jesus was saying that with the message of the cross comes a memorial of a woman with an alabaster box. Man, what, what a tribute to Mary. Can you imagine that? Jesus said, when the gospels preach and people speak of me and the sacrifice that I'm making, they're going to talk about Mary. As long as the gospels preach, they're going to talk about Mary. Well, it's been well over 2,000 years and here we are today. I'm talking about her again. Whenever we think of his sacrifice, we also think of Mary's. Whenever we think of all that he gave us, we're reminded by Mary's act that we're to give all we have to him. Now, folks, I'm going to close here. I'm going to close with a true story. There was a little peasant woman in West Africa 
who was extremely poor. Now, let me clear something up for you. If you've never been to any third world country, there's a difference between being extremely poor in America and extremely poor in West Africa or Haiti or some other place like that. Well, this little peasant woman, she was extremely poor. She had been a Christian. She'd been saved for more than 50 years, and she always wanted to do something great for Jesus, but she always felt inadequate. She always felt unable to do so. Well, one night during an evangelistic crusade, she watched as a whole lot of people began to bring their offerings, tithes and offerings up front, and there were people, they brought, uh, you know, offering of corn and some money. Other, others brought, you know, more personal items to give to Jesus. But she was so poor, she had absolutely nothing to give. Well, the last night of the crusade, she went forward and she placed a silver dollar on the altar. The missionary who was preaching knew this little peasant woman was extremely poor. And he thought to himself, and I'm sure he felt bad about this later, he thought to himself she must have deceived it dishonestly, received it dishonestly. He didn't want to make a scene during the service, so as soon as the service was over with, he found this little woman. He asked her, he said, tell me about the silver dollar. Well, this little woman began to share her story with a missionary. She said she always wanted to do something for Jesus because of all that Jesus done for her. And then she went to tell the missionary and all those that were standing there. She said, Jesus saved me. He freed me from the bondage of sin. He gave me eternal life. He gave me hope that I have never known before. And she says, Jesus, he gave me a desire to serve him and for other people to know him. And she said, for years I would watch people who would come and bring gifts, but I, I was so poor I had absolutely nothing to give. So she said, during this week of the crusade, I went to a nearby plantation and I sold myself as a slave for life for that silver dollar. That's what I want to give to Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, it's in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to men. I want you to hear what A.W. Tozer said, if, you're, if you are not worshipping God, but you are serving Him, or so you think you're serving Him, you're making a big mistake. To pray without worship is mockery. To sing without worship is sounding brass. To work without worship is an insult to God. To teach without worship is ignorance. To serve without worship is hypocrisy. To witness without worship is perjury. God wants, God deserves, God demands your worship. Folks, as we think of Jesus giving his best for us, my prayer is that like Mary, we would give our best to him. Now, I want you to hear me, hear me well, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up right here. Each one of us have our own personal alabaster box. And that box deserves to be broken and poured out before the only one who is worthy of our worship. Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because God is so merciful, that you present your bodies, that is your total being, all that you are, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable spiritual worship. As believers in Christ, that's the reasonable thing for us to do. Worship Christ 
with all that we are and all that we have. Are you surrendered to him like that today? Are you?